a lot of the big tech influencers talk highly about Flutter. And I was like, okay, maybe these guys are onto something, you know, let me just, let me see what that is. And, you know, I, I watched the introduction videos. I watched some of the Google keynotes about, you know, about Flutter and all of that. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is amazing. Sounds great. And I'm going to learn it. Welcome to the Exponential Growth Podcast, where we demystify what it takes to break into tech. I'm your host, James Hudnall, and my goal is to highlight real-life examples of people moving into careers they love, so you can too. Hey everyone, today I'm joined by Khalid Warsame. Now, Khalid used to drive trucks, but today he's a Flutter developer and a content creator. Now we're going to dive in and learn more about him and his transition into tech. Khalid, welcome to the show. Hey James, thanks for having me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do today, and then we can dive back in and try to build that back up. All right. So, hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Khalid, and I'm a Flutter mobile app developer that is a uh, cross-platform uh, framework. I usually like to joke and say, you know, it is uh, similar, you know, to React Native, but a lot better. So there is that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've been doing it for uh, three years now, and uh, right now I'm a, I'm a full-time uh, Flutter developer at a large company. Nice. So take us back. Where'd you grow up? What was it like? So it looks like I'm going to have a different background from, from your other hosts. So I, I did grow up in Egypt. So I lived there for, you know, for uh, almost 12 years and then migrated to the U.S. back in uh, 2012. Okay. When you were growing up, was technology on your radar is something you might want to do or did you want to do something different? Yeah, uh, I've always been a nerd. So, you know, we had a computer at home that, you know, I always kind of took apart, put back together. Uh, I, I lost count how many times I had to reinstall the Windows, uh, you know, <laughs> OS for messing a few files. Yeah. I, you know, I always grew up with that. Okay. No, very cool. And I think you had said 12 or so is when you came to the States. Is that right? Yeah, 2012. Okay. Did you go to college? Did Was that an intentional decision? What was What was school like for you? So in here, uh, in the U.S., I went to a community college for, for two years, just, you know, did the general classes and then had to drop out because I figured out that college wasn't for me. Really? You want to expand on that, maybe? From, you know, immigrant background, we always, everyone has, you have to have, you know, you have to go to college, get a degree uh, to become successful. So I kind of, you know, I grew up with that mentality and I was kind of pushed towards that area. And then, uh, you know, the college, the whole thing is just... I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but, you know, I kind of figured out it wasn't for me. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to go do something different. Yeah, no, I totally get that, man. And I don't know if you've, you've heard or not. I know we hadn't talked about it, but, you know, I kind of like you, I went to college because it was expected of me. You know, I came from a blue collar family that they had never been to college, but I guess because I was able to, I was supposed to go do that. And I didn't have any intentionality at that point. I started in engineering just because it sounded like a hard thing to do, which is not the criteria you should use to pick a major. And as you might imagine, that did not turn out too well. And uh, yeah, it took me eight years to get a different degree. And like you, I kind of took myself out of it, eventually went back. But I think that's because I didn't know better, Khalid. You know, I, I thought I still had to get that college degree, but it sounds like you went down a different path. So when you took yourself out of school, what happened next? So in, you know, in the immigrant family, if you're not a college educated, you got to be you got to have a job. You got to have a job that makes good money. So that is the second criteria. And that is what I actually decided to, you know, to just uh, move to Chicago and drive a taxi there because I was told that, you know, taxi drivers in Chicago made good money. Okay. So I did that for a year. 
Okay. I know that a couple of Uber rides that I've done, I've had amazing conversations with those drivers. And I'm curious that year you were doing that. Did you have any fun conversations that you can share? Yes. I can write a book. I can make a movie about that <laughs> one year that I spent in Chicago. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. So when, you know, back in, that was in 2014, I've always been in the States for about uh, two and a half years, something like that, almost three years okay. at that point. And that, you know, the taxi driving in a, in a big city like Chicago kind of showed me that the real, you know, the real America, the real mm -hmm. USA, I, you know, I get to meet too many, too many people from different backgrounds, from, from different ethnicities, because Chicago is a big, you know, it, it kind of is a mix. So you you get to meet all kinds of people. So it was, uh, it, it was amazing. Not gonna lie. It was, it was great. Okay. So why'd you move on from that after that year? I think you just mentioned that earlier, uh, Uber. So that kind of killed the business. Okay. That killed the business. So did you become an Uber driver at that point? At the time I tried, you know, I integrated, uh, you know, my regular taxi service with an Uber taxi. They had what it's called an Uber taxi. It's just an Uber mixed with a taxi. It was a crazy hybrid. So, uh, and then, uh, I tried doing that for a while. It didn't work out. That is when I, you know, uh, when I transitioned into trucking and I've been doing it ever since. Okay. Let's digress just a little bit. Cause I'm curious, it may be off topic, but maybe the audience cares. I know I do. So going back to that year in Chicago as the taxi driver, I think I know that at least in New York, they've got like this medallion system where you have to buy in to have the medallion. Was the Chicago based taxi the same thing? Uh, yes. Uh, so the thing is, uh, okay. So there are uh, owners that own the medallion. Those medallions were expensive. I heard somewhere around $200,000, but once uh, Uber came, everyone was able to just, you know, drive Uber in their own uh, Toyota Camry and Corollas. The value of a medallion dropped so so bad man i, I feel sense. sorry for those uh for the owners there but in my case um i would go to a taxi company rent you know a taxi for a week so um the lease was for seven days i think so you pay a certain amount you get the taxi for seven days they give you a whole contract agreement and then you do your thing you pay the fee you know the leasing fee and then you renew every other week okay I'll stop going down that rabbit hole, even though I'm very interested, but I, I will ask. So again, during that year or shortly thereafter, before you get into the trucking, you had mentioned you've always been a nerd. Did you have any designs on a career in tech or did you maybe not know what that looked like at that point? Uh, none at that point. No. Okay. No. Okay. At that point, it was, uh, at that point, all I cared about is basically just make something out of yourself. Just, you know, try to become a useful member of society. I was 21 at the time. So, you know. When you're at that age, you don't really know what to do because yep. you just dropped out of college and you don't have any, you don't know what career you want to go to. So you kind of was, was a lost area. I was lost at that yeah. time. Yeah. No, man, I was lost too. And I was lost long after 21. I was definitely not a productive member of society. So <laughs> no, uh, I feel you there. So you move on to the, the trucking. And so I definitely want to dive into this because that's how I learned about you. I think somebody from LinkedIn pointed me to the, the post that you made where you basically went from being a truck driver to being a flutter developer. I guess that's the, the at the high level what I think I know about you, but I really want to dive in here. So when you went from the taxi driver to like the hybrid Uber driver to the truck driving, was it a decision just because you'd been driving, you were going to drive at maybe a bigger scale with maybe more money? Or what was the decision behind that? Uh, what you just mentioned. So it basically was, uh, was about more money. So okay. about the money. <laughs> I was, uh, I was 22 when I, you know, when I, when I, when I transitioned into trucking, I got my license and everything, my CDL license from, you know, from Chicago, from, I went to school there, 
so I went to drive for uh, Swift Transportation. That is the largest, uh, the largest carrier. I mean, you know, largest uh, trucking company in North America. Okay. So you know, I worked there for a year and then transitioned over. Okay, I got a bunch of questions there. First one is, did you have a girlfriend, wife, kids, anything at that time, or were you just on the road doing your thing? I was just winging it all by myself. Doing, doing <laughs> your thing. What What was the shift like? How many hours a day? How many days a week? Yeah, weeks out of the month or out of the year? So in a trucking, you live in the truck. So mm -hmm. you live in the truck, you deliver a load, you stay at the truck stop, rest areas, uh, different parts, you know. So uh, I wasn't home. I was, sometimes I was gone actually for two, three months straight, just driving, you know, from one city to the next and just delivering loads. And then I would come home, maybe stay for three, four or five days, maybe just to get a few things done, few errands. Maybe if I want to, you know, if I got a doctor's appointment or something like that, I then go back to the trucking. Okay. No, cool, man. Because when I, when I worked on the boat, it was somewhat similar where you would be, or I would be out for, I think my first hitch is what we called it was uh, 110 days out on the boat. Just because at that point, kind of like you, like I didn't have a, a crystal clear goal, but I knew that to move up, I had to basically put in the time on, on the boat in the water. So yeah, we would sleep off watch. We'd work 12 hours a day. It was six on, six off, six on, six off, which sounds horrible. And I guess kind of was, but you also kind of get used to it. You know, one of those is like a full blown sleep. The other one, you take a nap and I guess you just fall in line and do it. So you had mentioned you were sleeping in the trucks and I'm curious about this as well. So I think I've seen some of the trucks where they've got like a bunk up top. Is that what you would do? Like even at the truck stops, you would just stop the truck there and bunk for the night? Yes, exactly okay. that. So, and uh, my truck had to double, you know, like a double bunk, one at the bottom, one at the top. So, okay. and so a lot of people, so the truck, you know, the, the tractor, the, with the sliver, you know, with the sliver bed, they might look small, but once you go inside, they're actually big. Uh, okay. Not like an apartment, but you know, it, yeah. it's kind of comfy. You can, uh, you, you have a bed, you have all kinds of drawers on both sides. So it's, it is a lot comfy than, than, you know, than what you think. Nice. Cool. And was it always you alone, call it, or did you ever have like a, a co-driver where you would do a, a longer shift or something like that? Uh, I only did that when I was training. Okay. So I went out with the, with another gentleman that had uh, 22 years of experience. You know, okay. he kind of showed showed me everything, showed me the ropes just to be careful. A lot. Be honest with you, he was he was like he was older. He kind of gave me a lot of life lessons. You know, yeah. a lot of things to be careful about. So I'm oh, really yeah. grateful for that. Yeah, and he showed me a lot. So uh, after that, I've always been on my own because uh, the idea of taking a nap while someone else is driving a little bit terif terrified me always. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. But and, you know, you bring up a good point there, Khalid. With you didn't call it mentoring, but I, I kind of hear that. And I know looking back at my own when I was in that boat and then the the fleet management position, I also had a mentor that taught me a lot about a whole lot more than just boats. It was like life in general to your point and looking back even though you wouldn't think that those skills would translate into tech or to other fields they absolutely have for me and i'm sure they have for you as well you know mentoring i don't think it was uh i don't think it was called mentoring but that is exactly what it is to be honest yeah. with you you yeah. you hit that you hit it right so it definitely was mentoring because it, you, you know, I wasn't just learning how to drive a truck, how to drive a manual, uh, but I was learning, you know, um, how to deal with, let's say, uh, road rage, mm -hmm. how to deal with the shippers, how to deal with, you know, with deliveries, how to kind of 
schedule, uh, you know, deliveries and deal with it's just too many things that come up, you know, when you're driving truck. It is not just about mainly, yes, mainly you're driving on the open road, but there are a lot of other edge cases that come in, you know, that you need to handle that you need someone else to basically show you, especially when, uh, especially when it comes to reading maps, because uh, so that's something you will do. There are trucking GPSs, but you will also be aware of low bridges, you know, uh, driving up a mines and how to use, you know, how to not burn out the brakes on your truck. So it is a lot of things that goes into that. Yeah, no, that sounds really intense. And, and I wanted to ask you, so I, I used to I used to joke where I, I would joke with my wife and family that I was a, a part time truck driver, because sometimes in my last life, I would have to drive like eight hours down to a different state in a pickup truck, not a not a flatbed, and then eight hours back home at the end of the week. But in your case, you know, I can't, I've driven alongside big rigs like that. I can't imagine driving those and the responsibility that you must feel. And to your point, when drivers are cutting you off or trying to, you know, weave in and out. So are there any interesting stories in there that, that are worth sharing? Okay. So with most cars, you can have about 10, 20 second interaction with every other car on the road. So you don't want to, you don't want to extend that 10 second to a minute that can ruin your life. Yeah. So you yeah. always want to, always got to be defensive it doesn't matter if you're in the right or the wrong so whatever happens always be in the defensive because this is just one minute interaction and you're not going to see this this person you know uh, ever again so you yeah. always keep that in the back of your mind always be being defense yeah is that something that that gentleman taught you exactly Cool, man. And I can definitely, I can see how that also translates. I feel like, again, anything like that, that you go through, I feel like it'll lend itself to future gigs, even if they're unrelated to that. So I think it's really cool that you got that experience there. So you're driving trucks, you're, maybe you're having fun, maybe you're not, but you're just, maybe at this point you feel like you're being a productive member of society or you just like making money. Do you have any end goal with this in mind at this point? Making money and being a productive member of society, they kind of go, <laughs> they yeah. kind of go hand in hand. So uh, I was doing, I was, I was doing, I'd like to believe I was doing both, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so at that time, uh, my my next goal was to basically work for you know sewer transportation for one year, gain as many you know as much experience as I can, and then buy my own truck, start my own authority, my own company, and go from there. So that was the that was the goal. Okay, that's the goal. And now what actually played out? Exactly that. So <laughs> that's what you did. I, 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I'm glad that worked that worked out. That worked out well, you know, yeah. a lot better than that I expected. But that is uh, that is what happened. So and I've you know I, I bought my own truck and uh Lisa trailer and I've been doing that until until 2020. So Man. it was great. I want to I want to dive into that a little bit. I understand this is a tech show, but I'm still very curious. And there could be other truck drivers that listen to this episode, and they'll appreciate this as well. So, you've gone from what I guess me not knowing better. It's almost like the rental model where you're driving someone else's truck, and now you've got that ownership, and you you purchase the truck, and you're doing your thing. Where I imagine, just like in business, there's more upside, but there's also a lot more risks. Like if you blow an engine or something like that, it's on you to fix it. So. What was that like from like your your mental framework shifting over to that? How did it go? Actually, that wasn't big of a difference because I'm always, you know, personally, I'm business minded. So uh, personally, I feel comfortable when I have uh, when I have my own business running my own show than being an employee is just me. And my boss, he didn't hear that. OK, so <laughs> so I always had that, you know, I had I always had that in mind. So uh, but as you said, so when you, you know, 
with the Swift, I was an employee. Actually, it wasn't rental, so I was a W two okay. employee, just you know, getting paid by the mile. So it's got a there's a different pay scale, pay system that the the trucking uses, and I was getting paid by the mile. So uh, after that, I got my own truck, and as you said, you have to have uh, you have to have basically. You have to be ready to take care of anything that comes up. Uh, that that can be a you know blowing a tire, blowing an engine, blowing yeah. a trailer. So it is just too many things that could go wrong. But again, uh, the upside is a lot better because uh, right now you're. Um, I was actually in direct contact with brokers, negotiating with them on different loads, and try to get always get the best rate for the load and and all that you know. Everything that the broker has paid me, it would go towards me, and then I would have to pay my business expenses, fuel those number one, and insurance, and then you know, the payments and all the maintenance that goes along with it, and then pocket the pocket the rest. Okay, and I think you mentioned you did this until 2020, and now before 2020, while you're in the middle of this, when you you've bought your own truck, did you have like what was the next step? What was the next plan? Like the five or the ten year plan? So the the five year plan was to actually basically uh, make as much money as I can and then save up, uh, maybe you know uh, start into uh, other businesses, uh, get into another business. Maybe uh, you know there are a few things that didn't really go well. You know, so right now you might think everything was just actually everything was smooth right until that point. Everything fell apart after that. So. Really? No. <laughs> yeah. You got me on the edge of my seat now. So what happened? What went wrong? <laughs> So a uh, few things, you know, few uh, few businesses uh, that I looked at kind of uh, failed, failed, and uh, also uh, I was making, you know, I was making decent money, but I was also spending a lot because, you know, I was uh, I was 23, 24, making over six figures. So you know, at that age, with that kind of body, you just blow it out. So uh, yeah. that was that was one of the regrets that I have actually. And also, aside from that, uh, I got into uh, the crypto back in 2017. Lost a lot in that as well. And uh, I also tried to start another business that failed. So it is too many things that didn't go right. But, you know, but as long as I had my job, my truck and everything was going smooth, I could actually, you know, stay afloat, just keep trying until something else, you know, until I hit a maybe uh, until I strike gold, I think. That was, yeah. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. But that uh, that didn't happen. And with all that going on, I was kind of getting tired. Uh, so, Oh, I mean, I got married in the 2018 and, you know, that kind of gives you, now you have something in the back of your mind. Okay. This lifestyle. Yeah. It's not for me. And, you know, too many things that kind of came together at that time. And I was, you know, I started feeling the pressure and a little bit of a stress from the, especially from the trucking lifestyle, always being on the road, even though I try to be home as, you know, as many days as I can, as many weeks as I can. So, but at the end, at the end of it, I started to see a lot of videos on YouTube about, you know, self-taught developers, especially these success stories. And I spent two years watching those people who went from a totally non-technical background into being, a, you know, a full-time software engineers. And I spent two years watching those videos, brainwashing myself that it is doable because mm. if I'm being honest with you, I didn't believe that I could do it. You know, I yeah. didn't believe that it was doable, but, you know, uh, yeah, I think I kind of brainwashed myself into believing it until I took the first step towards that. Yeah, man, there's a lot to unpack there. And before we get to the programming bit, I want to go back to the these businesses that you were experimenting with and trying to, or I guess you were creating them. And I guess none of them, you didn't strike gold, as you said, but I, 
I can all but guarantee that you learned something from each and every one of them that helped inform the next one or the next thing that you did. So do you want to talk about any of those businesses and anything that maybe you learned along the way? Anything worth sharing? Yeah, I won't go into details with those, uh, with those but uh, what I learned a lot about basically uh, risk management. Mm. risk management and uh, you know being on the same page with anyone that you work in your life if you want to work with your uh, let's say uh, your cousin your uncle or brother or some stranger you always want to be 100% on the same page with that person you know both of you have the same vision and uh, just to make sure you know you don't you don't run into problems so I, yeah. I think I'll just say that okay. but other than that uh, I've also learned about management so basically uh, running a business uh, in, you know starting started incorporating and making sure everything is running smooth so i learned a lot about you know how to manage stuff so yeah, i think that was uh that was, that was a pretty solid experience to be honest yeah no all those skills translate i think to anything that you do in life so i'm sure those were invaluable takeaways and again i, I heard you mention so you're making six figures at uh what i would still call an extremely young age at that point and even though you got married in 2018 I mean, to a lot of people out there listening right now, they hear six figures and they're like, man, that's that's the dream right there. So I think I understand the lifestyle issue for you because I experienced the exact same thing when I was on the boat for like six, seven, eight months out of the year. I realized that wasn't a sustainable path for me, which is a large part of why I got out of that. And it sounds like maybe that was something that you went through as well. So is that was that the biggest, I guess, determining factor as to why you got out of that and eventually made this transition? Exactly. That is the, I think that was the number one uh, reason why I wanted to, you know, just quit truck and do something else in the transition. My main plan, my main goal was basically, you know, quit doing over the road and start doing either regional where you are home, you know, uh, you're home maybe three or four nights of the week and you're out maybe for one or two or do local where you're home. You're always home, but you drive in the city. At that time, I was very familiar with, you know, with the Twin Cities in Minneapolis, St. Paul. I kind of knew uh, most of the roads, most of, most of the warehouses. So I was kind of very familiar with the city and driving locally in the city wasn't going to be a problem for me. So okay. I decided, you know, uh, that was also one of the one of the things that I wanted to, you know, to work towards. But uh, yeah, mainly the lifestyle it was it was too much. And especially that, you know, um, oh, I've got pregnant and we were kind of expecting our first child. So that is... That is a major live event that you don't want to, you don't want to miss. You know? No, that's a hundred percent correct. I remember when, uh, yeah, my wife got pregnant and I quit my job, call it, and then transitioned into tech, which is, I'm glossing over a lot of the details there, but it's certainly mm -hmm. a, uh, an event unlike any other. I, I totally agree with that. So I guess maybe at the highest level, you decide that the truck driving is not for you, but you own that truck. So was it easy to sell it assuming that you did and to to pivot no no <laughs> yeah the short answer is no it was uh it, it was it was a headache so the transition my plan for transition was basically two years you know it's been two years kind of slowly get rid of the truck slowly right. work less hours slowly uh slowly spend more days at home learning to go you know with uh, when you're watching youtube and udemy courses and all of that all while is slow while also maintaining the same lifestyle because uh because i figured out you know so it was mad it was doable you know you can maintain the same lifestyle with only working maybe one week on one week off so uh <clears throat> excuse me so something like that was doable but it, it it didn't so you know 2020 hit uh everything went out of whack the in 2019 that was the worst so uh, the trucking 
in this year, the 2019 was a very bad year. Hmm. It was a Why? very bad year to be in trucking. Why is that? Was there anything in particular? I'm trying to think back to that. I remember everything seemed to crash short term in 2020, but then I thought like, I thought like all of the, all of like the truck driving type professions really took off there, but maybe I'm wrong about that. So what was it about 2019 that was tough? Uh, you're right, actually. 2020, uh, we knew, you know, with the lockdown, I haven't, uh, I was still driving to, you know, uh, I was still driving trucks in the early few months of 2020 and a business was good. I gotta lie. <laughs> yeah. Especially uh, you're driving through uh, Columbus, Ohio, 5 p.m. No traffic, clean. Mm. You know, so it was, yeah. so that was one of the upsides of uh, driving trucks. Uh, you know, there was no uh, major construction going on. There's no major, uh, you know, accident that kind of closes the highway for seven hours. We haven't seen any of that. So it was uh, from that part it was good. But also the 2019. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't really know what went wrong in 2019. But the business was very slow, and it was uh, it was. It was tough to be in the market in 2019, so that also kind of compounded. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, and you know, as long as I have my job, you know, my trucking job or a trucking business, everything was working well. I'm fine. I could just take care of everything else. You know, I could uh, make sure you know we have the same lifestyle and uh, you know everything. All my other failed businesses, everything it was kind of uh, you know I could stay. I could keep everything afloat. But once that 2019 hit, there was okay. Now there's a there's another layer of stress that you know that came into my life, and now I'm like, okay, cool. Now do I now I got to stress about money too? So you know, was, <laughs> there was uh, there was there was too much. And at the time, my wife was pregnant in 2019. So there was uh, three things going on at the same time. That's when I decided, okay, you know, my my you know my smooth transition uh, plan is not gonna work. So now I need you know like. And did once and for all, and just see what else I can do. And that is that is what I did for. That's what I did in 2020. Okay, so it sounds maybe to the listeners it sounds as simple as okay. So at this point, Khalid sells his truck to the the first buyer that just came up immediately, and then he went to work at a major corporation as a coder. But I'm sure there's a lot more nuance with that. So was it was it easy? I'm sure it wasn't easy. How was it actually selling the truck? And did you pivot to like full time learning, like maybe telling your wife, okay, I need to be in my office or something for eight hours a day, really learning to to make this work for us? What was that like? What was your mindset like during that time? My mindset was, uh, you know, at that time, I, I managed to convince myself that I can, you know, quit trucking, stay at home, learn to code in, uh, let's say six months to a year, maybe two years, and then get a job as a full time software engineer. I was 100% convinced that even though my family wasn't, yeah. but uh, so uh, that that was in my mind. I believed I could do it. I wanted to do it. I went after it. But when it came to the trucking, uh, the trailer was rental, returned it. Uh, the truck, I'm not going to comment on that. Okay. <laughs> not going to comment on that because that was one of the, also, again, the mistakes that I made, you know, is too many things. So uh, it was one of the mistakes that I also made. And uh, so... All I had to do was basically uh, get rid of the truck and a trailer and stay at home. So that three steps were simple enough to do. So and uh, that that is what I did. So I think okay. I think getting rid of, you know getting rid of the trucking was easier than you know than than you would think because you didn't have that many obligations. All you have to do is just make few calls, you know, uh, return the trailer, cancel your insurance, and uh, and maybe you know cancel other services that you use, and that's about it. So, okay. And you can have the truck parked there for two years as long as you're paying for the parking spot. No one is gonna say anything about it. So in that, that was uh, that you know that area was was easy, and uh, now I gotta now I gotta deal with it. I gotta worry about you know uh, about coding. 
yeah. <laughs> learning to code and go into this. Um, so when it came to, you know, being a self-taught, I was, I didn't know anyone that did it okay. personally. So basically I was the only one in my whole family, friend group that was, that was trying to do this thing, this new thing that no one has done in our, you know, in our small circle. Yeah. So yeah, that was, uh, that was challenging. Yeah. I want to ask you, so what, what gave you this confidence? Because I think you had mentioned where you, you knew that you could do it, quote unquote, from whatever it was, the six month to two years, something like that. You were, sounds like you were confident you could do it. Where, where do you think you got that confidence from? Because I was terrified when I did it. I, I stayed in my last job for at least a year too long, if not. And I finally, maybe it was my wife getting pregnant and realizing it's now or never for me to burn those proverbial ships and do it. But what, what was that for you? How did you get that confidence? Exactly what you just mentioned. Hmm. A little one on the way and the trucking stress, you know, the lifestyle and all of that going on in the background. And now for the first, so I want you to imagine this. I was I was driving trucks going from one state to another. And, you know, let's say I, I deliver a lot to Phoenix. I could take a few days off, just explore the city. I did the same with Atlanta, Georgia. I did the same with Dallas, Texas. I was kind of would you. Uh, I, OK, I'm not going to say I'm a free spirit, but, <laughs> but I was I was free. You know, you could. Yeah. I could be anywhere I want to imagine going from Minneapolis to San Diego, California, and not just taking an, air, an airplane. You actually getting paid to go there. Yeah. It was amazing. It came with, with it is own perks, but the problem was now I have a kid coming up, you know, uh, now I have a whole another human being that kind of depends on me. That is a very big responsibility that I do not take lightly. So, uh, I was like, okay, it is, it is now before he gets here. <laughs> Or I'm not gonna have the chance. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm not gonna have the chance. So it was a that was one big, you know, one big reason of it. And uh, the other reasons were basically, you know, the lifestyle, the stresses that I was dealing with, you know, yeah. being away from home, being on on the road, on you know, driving trucks. So I think that is just as I said earlier, you know, there are a few things that kind of built up through you know too many years, you know, uh, doing that, and uh, now I'm on a crossroads. I can either try to make it work in trucking that I've been doing for the last five years, but it didn't work out or stay home and try make something else work. Yeah. So basically I didn't have anything else to do, uh, nothing else to go back to and unless, you know, except making it work and yeah. becoming a developer. Yeah. No, that's so interesting, man, because I hear so much of my story and what you just described, where I also picture myself at that crossroads where I could kind of look forward five years and then in theory, look back and, I guess I'd be successful. You know, I, I was on a set path, but at the same time, just like you, I was going to be away from home, maybe 70% of the time. And I would always be upset if I didn't at least try. And uh, obviously in hindsight, it's easy for me to say, I'm so glad that I did, but I am confident. Like even if LinkedIn didn't work out, I'm confident like you that I would have figured out a way to make things work. So I, I just, uh, I, I find it amazing the parallels between our story with that. So when you mentioned, so now you're learning to code. I know you had mentioned, I think you had mentioned YouTube. You had mentioned Udemy, which I used as well. That was my first exposure to programming. You also mentioned you didn't have that blueprint. You didn't know anybody, nor did I, that had had that proven path that would have been, I think, easy to pattern match. We didn't have that. So what worked well for you? How did you pick your courses? Did you just sample a bunch of things, learn a lot of new things? Maybe forget more than you learn, but still come ahead slowly. What was that process like for you? Hmm. That's a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, before, you know, be, before I get into it, so uh, 
with you know uh, I listened to you know I've been listening to your podcast for a while and I see the similarities you know with the so uh you know when there is when there are kids involved you definitely gain you de- you, you you get a clarity now you know you know you know now you know what is important what is not and now you know what you need to prioritize and what was just you know a sideshow in your life because a lot of things a lot of the things that I thought was kind of you know I was doing that a lot there I was doing a lot of things that I thought I was doing something but it wasn't you know in hindsight I was like yeah that was pointless mm. that was just a waste of time you know so it was a few you know I, I gained clarity from you know from from that so I'm I'm really I'm really grateful for that you know to address your question I didn't really sample too many courses uh what I did was basically this goes back to when I, you know, when I mentioned earlier that I kind of pray and watch myself. I watched a lot of success stories, you know, self-taught developers, and they're all, you know, I watched too many of them and I I started to notice a pattern. Mm. All of them have the same pattern that I follow to get here. And I'm sure you did as well. And that, you know, pick a course. I think I have a tweet that I always love to reshare, like five, five steps, you know. Uh, first of all, what you want to do, pick a course, complete it, build a project, put together a resume, apply for jobs. So they all did that. They all did the same exact thing, but maybe, you know, definitely in um, different tech stacks and different variations of it. Uh, you know, everyone have their own life going on. So there's a slight variations to it. But at the end, you know, at the end of the day, I think is is it all comes down to those five steps that I try to emulate. Hindsight, I, was, uh, I made it, but it wasn't a straight climb up. It was too yeah. many, uh, too many things that I did wrong. That is why you know I'm on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram, telling people you know, do this, stick to this. That you don't have to worry about that. Just trying to help them make it, and instead of wasting months of their lives, maybe years, you know, doing things that are not really productive or you know that is not going to help them get to their end goal. Yeah, I just want to point out, Khalid, that a lot of people consume content but not a lot of people take the action that you took to actually reverse engineer the process. And I guess to an extent I did that also, but I was also enrolled in a boot camp, which they, I guess they spelled it out for me basically. So I, I just think it's awesome that you were able to reverse engineer it like that. And you were just, it sounds like you were taking in all this information from all these different sources and you're like, okay, I get that. I get that. I get that. I see all these similarities. I get the pattern. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. So in your story, was it as easy as that? You're going through that. You're learning your flame, your framework. Maybe it's flutter. Maybe it's dart. I forget what it was at first. You build a project or a portfolio. You apply to jobs. Did you get an interview from the first job that you applied to? No. Okay. <laughs> that was, that was a straight answer. No. And also <laughs> at first I started, you know, uh, I started with Android because I always owned an Android phone. I always loved it. And as I said, you know, I grew up with technology and I always had had an affinity, you know, just mess uh, miss, uh, miss around with the Android settings. I, I installed custom ROMs and, you know, did a few modifications to the Android OS. I installed, uh, I installed the Lineage OS. It's just too many things that I was, you know, they're all tech related, but not really tech related. So it's kind of, I viewed all of those as hobby projects, hobby things that I was doing on the side, but actually they all ended up being helpful you know mm. yeah <laughs> that is a topic for another day i started with android about a udemy course for you know android uh, development i struggled struggled stress i spent two weeks not learning anything i was struggling with the ide i was struggling with the language calling i was struggling with running the app just to make sure you know the app runs on my phone 
I was dealing with uh, conflicts on, you know, in uh, different packages, different things. Mm. And I also struggled a lot with the with the concept of null, you know, so mm. you either declare a variable or it is not. What is not? When you are starting out, you will be introduced to so many complex, strange topics that you will need to learn, understand before you move on. But the thing is, it, they, they all come at once. So you're not going to be, okay, today we're going to learn about, no, now we're going to learn about declaring variables. Now we're going to learn about methods and functions. No, everything comes at once. Now you got to decouple and break down those uh, into smaller concepts that you can grasp one by one until you get to a point where, okay, now I know what it is, uh, what it is about. Is that how you work through that? Is basically you were, it sounds like you might've been frustrated at the time that you felt like you weren't learning anything. And what did you do there? Did you just like pause, zoom out and say, okay, these are the different areas where I'm not strong and I need to improve. How, how did you work through that? Cause I know a lot of people might just give up there and maybe go back to driving the trucks. You didn't. That was not an option. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that was, that was, that was not an option. Especially when I told everyone in my family, it was, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it work. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to look like <laughs> there's something there, man. When you, when you let other people know and you make that public announcement, there's that added accountability there. So there is something to that, to those listening. Yeah, that is actually, that's actually a great point. You know, I was, as you said, you know, I was frustrated, but I wasn't smart enough to know that, you know, these are too many different concepts that I need to learn because this is my first time doing this. So uh, I can't, you know, I couldn't really tell that there were minor things, you know, that I can, okay, I can learn, I can go look up null itself, learn it, then go back to declaring variables, different, you know, primitive types and all of that. So it wasn't, um, I, I couldn't really, you know, I couldn't really kind of break it down as, as you know, like I'm doing right now. Yeah. But uh, at the time, at the time, everything just came out once and I was hard headed enough to be like, okay, I'm just going to bang my head against this. Until I make it work. So okay. that was so the only just, option that I got. You just kept going. And did you get some kind of an, an app coding along in that Udemy course that you were eventually halfway proud of? How did that play out? Uh, no, actually, I gave up on Android. So Okay. <laughs> Left Android and, and moved on to? Flutter. So that is, uh, so I was, you know, I was learning, uh, I was learning Android, struggling with it. It's just, you know, as I said, uh, it was, it was a mess. And then uh, at the same time, I was watching a lot, I was consuming a lot of uh, YouTube content about, you know, becoming a software at the same time. And a lot of the big tech influencers talk highly about Flutter. And I was like, okay, maybe these guys are onto something, you know, let me just, let me see what that is. And, you know, I, I watched the introduction videos. I watched some of the Google keynotes about, you know, about Flutter and all of that. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is amazing. Sounds great. And I'm going to learn it. And I switched to Flutter and I loved it. Not going to lie. Loved it, especially when it comes to building, uh, building the UI. Uh, the code was uh, the Dart language. I think it is, it is simple. It's not easy. It is simple. It is uh, it's clean enough that you don't have to worry about, you know, it's not verbose. So all of that kind of helped me. And, uh, and you might think, you might think, you know, uh, at the time, actually, I did think that I wasted my time learning an Android, but it did, but I didn't, you know. Yeah. Now, at least I know how to use the IDE, the Android Studio IDE effectively. Now I can Google and solve conflicts or, you know, if I had a different error, a random error comes up. Now I know how to copy the error, put it on Google, copy a command, put it in the terminal, make it work, you know. Yeah. That is when I noticed. Everything that I was learning to this point was kind of compounding. Yep. Then I had Flutter go on, you know, uh, I have, I haven't had, I haven't had, haven't had, you know, major issues with it, but I really loved it. And here we are today.
Yeah, it's it's like we talked about before, Khalid, where anything that you did in the past from driving the taxi to the Uber to the, the truck, there's so many translatable skills that we may not appreciate at the time. And going back to my own, when I was even back when I was playing video games, when I should have been going to class in college and when I was working on boats, we learned things that, to your point, compound over time and help you troubleshoot later down the line. Now, moving on to Flutter. I'm not that familiar with Flutter. Maybe some of the listeners aren't as well. So if you just want to describe what is Flutter, how is it different than maybe the Android that you're working with or Swift or other languages like that? Flutter is basically a uh, it's basically a front-end UI for building mobile apps. So it is a cross-platform. Uh, it is similar to React Native. Uh, basically, you write the code once, and you know, from that to you know, one single source code, you can build an Android app, an iOS app, a Mac, Mac desktop app, uh, you know, a website for me as well. Nice. It is a cross-platform that you can build uh, apps. That is the gist of it. And so how does that compare with Swift explicitly, I believe, is for Apple? Is Flutter starting to kind of take market share from iOS developers, or is, is it like a different niche? So it is a different niche. So when it comes to mobile apps, we have uh, what is called, you know, there is the native so if you're building, uh, if you're building iOS apps, you can do, you can use a Swift and build, you know, build a native app that runs natively on on iOS. And you can also do the same with Android. You have, uh, you can use Colin to build, to build a native Android phone. But the problem with that is, let's say right now, uh, let's say, uh, you know, you have a startup. Now you want to build uh, Android on iOS apps. If you want to go native, you you're gonna to have to have one developer that is iOS developer and another one that is, you know, Android developer. And now you gotta now you have to make sure that you know both apps are in uh, in parity when it comes to features. Both of them look the same, work the same. Yeah. So that is where uh, cross platform comes in. A cross platform is basically uh, as I mentioned earlier, React Native, uh, Flutter. You write the code once and it runs on both. It builds an Android app and an iPhone, you know, an iOS app. And all you have to do is just basically now you have one developer that is building for both instead of having two different, you know, two different developers or two different teams that do the exact same thing. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I can hear the passion in your voice when you describe Flutter. So that I, I find that very cool. And so how did you leverage Flutter and this passion for Flutter and transition into an actual job? Were you actively applying to jobs around this point in your learning? I started applying for jobs when I had uh, six months of experience, and that was back in uh, 2020. Okay. So, you know, uh, so you know, once I got rid of the truck and everything, I sat down, I was learning to code eight to 16 hours a day. All I was doing is just writing code, sleeping. I was dreaming of code. Not going to lie. I woke <laughs> up so many nights. I would woke up in the middle of the night. Okay, now I know why that wasn't working. Mm -hmm. oh, let me go fix it. So that is actually true. You might, you know, I, I see a lot of uh, TikTok influencers kind of make fun of that, but that is actually true. Yeah. Once you once you have that obsession for coding, once you start going at it, you will dream of code. You will dream. Yeah. You will dream of you know. Uh, actually, and also it gets disappointing at times. You would wake up in the middle of the night. Okay, okay. Ooh, you would assume that you finished your job. But you would wake up, you're going to realize that was a dream. Now you got to redo it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there is, uh, so there is that. But, uh, but I also, uh, I started applying for jobs uh, when I had six months of experience. I put together, you know, a resume. I had a, I had a small uh, project that I was building at the time and everything was kind of looking up. It was looking good. So I started applying for jobs at the six minute mark, uh, six month mark. Okay. And so what was that process like? Because I know some people, 
they apply to hundreds and hundreds. Sometimes they hear back. A lot of times they don't. Was that the approach that you took or did you do something different? Oh, that is exactly what I did. And uh, yeah, now I'm having flashback. It was, it was, uh, I, you know, I was doing good. I learned a lot. I knew a lot, uh, you know, about, about coding and about Flutter and about building mobile apps, but market wasn't easy. So for example, let's say, I would say about every 20 job applications that I made, you know, every time, every 20 jobs that I applied to, I would only get maybe one inter one interview request. Okay. So it was all I was doing is just basically, okay, let me code for eight hours. Let me apply for jobs for two hours. That was, uh, that was kind of a daily thing. Okay. I would go back and tweak my resume every, uh, every other week, I think, just to make sure that, you know, the latest update that I made to my app was reflected on my resume. Yeah, make sure you got credit for that. Well, still, call it. I would challenge you a little bit because I would say a 5% response rate is still above average, especially from some of the people that I've talked to. So that sounds like you were, maybe there was something with the application process you were doing well relative to the, the general mass of people. But regardless, when you actually got into those interviews, what was your first one like? Did you have any takeaways that you feel like the audience might be able to, to glean something from your experience and or any horror stories. We love hearing about those as well, just to hear that you're mortal after all. Yeah, actually I have one for you. So uh, my first job, so I, I, you know, I live in Minneapolis here. I live in a suburb of Minneapolis, but I was reached out by a recruiter. You know, I passed my resume, everything was going great. And I was scheduled to actually meet, was scheduled to interview with the CEO of a startup, of a local startup, uh, you know, from uh, from here and that turned out to be a scam he turned out to be a scammer he's now serving a jail wow. for frauding investors okay. so that's uh, that's that's the funny <laughs> it's not funny but i that's that's a horror story that i like to break up that kind of gave me you know a lesson to just always investigate you yeah. know if you're applying for a job just don't believe it because yeah. Some of them might end up like that, but uh... oh, wait, can I can I ask you about that? Obviously, we're not going to reveal the company or the the person who mm -hmm. probably won't be listening anyway. But we won't go there. But so, <laughs> how did you? What what kind of due diligence did you do where you discovered this? Because it sounds like you didn't accept the job if they offered you one. And there, what was that like? What happened? I was too excited to do to do any due diligence. So. Okay. Well, I get it. I'd be there too. I'd be like, oh, you want to give me a job? Okay. Worst case, I'll go somewhere else. Exactly. I was too excited to do any due diligence and their website looked legit. Their LinkedIn profile looked legit. Their Twitter profiles looked legit. So I was like, okay, this is an actual thing. And, uh, and I just, you know, I went for it, but, uh, I was supposed to, you know, I was, I didn't actually get the job uh, because the, the CEO didn't show up for, uh, for the interview. Mm. So we kind of, yeah, I think we had to reschedule twice, and I also didn't figure out that he was uh, that he was a fraudster until I think about a year later on. Okay. So somewhere down the line, because uh, I have a list of all the companies that I applied for, and I like to you know periodically you know periodically go back and look them up. So he came up, he showed up in one of those. I was like, okay, yeah, the guy is serving jail, and I figured I you know found out about a year later. So interesting. Yeah, I hear all these systems that you have in place, which I find fascinating because some of these things like keeping track of the past companies that you've applied to, I just, that that's a cool nugget of wisdom there that you do. So, okay, so that one didn't work out. How did other ones go? And eventually, how, how did it go where you landed that first job? So uh, with the first job, actually, I started out of uh, Houston, Texas, reached out to me. They, they needed a developer to basically just, you know, a mobile app developer to take over the project you know, publish, uh, make sure, you know, the code looks good and 
and push the app to both the App Store and the Google, you know, the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. And that is uh, that is what I did. So it was kind of it was uh, it was equity based. You know, uh, there wasn't a salary to it, but I took that opportunity because uh, for two reasons. Uh, the first one was now I now I have something. Now I have an actual you know work experience on my resume yep. instead of having my trucking uh, my trucking you know my trucking business on there. Okay, yep. so th- that is a good thing. And the second thing is uh, the C C O O of that sort of actually uh, he's a great guy. Love him. Uh, I would use him as a reference. You know, for uh, when I'm applying for other jobs, I would give him, I will give him his phone number. The guy, he would talk me, he would talk me up. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. He, 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 man, he, he's great. He's great. I love it. So, uh, so I think that is, you know, that is one of those, uh, one of those. So, you know, from the service looking at it, it might, it might look like, okay, why would I take a job that is not paying anything? And uh, would it still, you know, be working full time, even though everything was kind of supposed to be part time? But I was, I had nothing else going on. And also learned from the code because the code was written by two senior developers and it was handed to me. So there was a lot, there were a lot of things that I didn't understand from the code itself because now the code is well structured. Everything is, you know, insulated. There was too many things that was too many, uh, too many concepts that were new to me, even though I've been doing Flutter for a while that I know that I didn't realize until, until I went into, you know, until I took over a project that this, uh, this good. But yeah, it was it was one of those things, you know. Yeah. So you're a real live Flutter developer at this point. Is that the job that you work at today, or did you make a move there? And I'm still with them. I'm okay. I'm I'm still you know I'm still working with that with that startup. But uh, that is when uh, everything kind of took off because as I said, you know, now I have a real experience on my yeah. resume. Now I have someone that can you know someone that can vouch for me. Yeah. Someone that can say, oh, yeah, this guy is great. He did this yeah. and this and that. So that is uh, that is when my actually uh, that's when my uh, my flutter career took off, yeah. and it has been it has been amazing ever since. Yeah. But before we get to that, I want to I want to point out one thing from the moment that I you know decided to learn to go until I get this job, it was a year and a half of being uh, being basically unemployed, mm. being basically uh, not not doing anything except coding, writing code for building building you know my my uh, my app updating my resume every other week making sure you know uh it is uh, it reflects the latest features on there and also uh apply for jobs full-time interview too many you know i've been to lots of interviews i've been to i've had so many rejection emails that i lost count but uh but by the time i got uh, my job my first job at the, at the start i have i had applied for i think about almost 300 applications 300 oh. applications at that point so yeah, it was it was it was that tough. Yeah, and so how dealing with all that rejection, Khalid? Did you ever did you ever flinch? Did you ever think maybe you know ever experience that imposter syndrome, or maybe you did and you kept going either way? Because I guess they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, I would be lying if I said no. So let's not forget at the time we had a, we had a child, we had a kid. So now I'm I'm going through this whole experience, you know, having uh, being responsible for another human being. So that is. That is a, that also was weighing on me at the time, you know, it was weighing because that's a big responsibility. Also being unemployed, you know, not making it, but I had my savings not have, you know, my family affected by whatever I was doing. So it is just, uh, it was my responsibility to provide for them and everything. So uh, I was, I was trying to keep things, you know, separated, but, uh, but there was a time it got to me. 
I was like, okay, you know what? I'm done. Close my laptop. I went and applied for a local trucking company for two of them that I had the prior, you know, uh, that I had the prior uh, prior experience with because I did work for you, did work, uh, you know, with them in the past. So I went there, applied for a local trucking company, and uh, one of them actually denied me. Uh, I don't know what was with that. I thought, you know, I had uh, five years of experience, clean record, and everything. But uh, maybe the economy, maybe something else was going on. And that is when it hit me. Maybe I'm assuming that, you know, I have I have a trucking experience. I can drive trucks, clean driver records and all of that. Maybe the job market is not as hard as I thought. Hmm. And but the other company took me in, uh, you know, uh, uh, applied, did the whole, the whole application and everything. And they were like, OK, when do you want to start? I told them I'm going to think about it. So I spent two weeks just going through this whole circle, trying hmm. to clear my head, trying to make, you know, still you know in my heart i really wanted to pursue uh coding really wanted to make it work but at the same time when it comes to reality i'm like okay this isn't working out you know yeah. we're not even getting that many interviews even though i'm spending what two, two three hours a day applying for hundreds of jobs yeah. it wasn't it wasn't working out so you you could see you know i have you can see that was, I think that was my lowest point when it came to coding. Um, I was, so I spent one week, you know, two weeks, you know, going through this whole circle. I'm gone. And I decided to just, you know, lay low and just see, take a few days off from coding. Yeah. And then I uh, see, you know, try to figure out. I did actually consult my, uh, some of my br brothers and they were like, if you want to do it, if you really want to do it, go for it. So they, they kind of, they kind of took me up, took me up with that. And yeah. Some other family members also told me, you know, you don't have, you know, you, if you really want to do it, you can do it, go for it. And they yeah. kind of gave me that, you know, confidence boost, you know, that motivation. So yeah. sometimes that's all you need, you know, sometimes that's all, that's all you really need. That's right. And it, it seems so simple, but just hearing someone else confirm that you can do something like that is sometimes all we need to, to push us forward to do that. And yeah, going back to where you had mentioned where the, uh, this one company, the truck company rejected you i feel like in a way that was probably a good thing just because like you said it let you know it was a signal to let you know the job market wasn't hot and maybe if you translated that back to the developer applications you were doing maybe it's not necessarily indicative of any skills that you lack but just macroeconomic conditions so i don't know if you made that connection there or not but either way I, uh, I, I think it's a, again, a testament to your character and the support network that you have around you to, to really continue to press forward and then to ultimately land that first role and then to keep segueing that or snowballing that into something bigger and better. And now I see you on Twitter and LinkedIn, you've got thousands of followers and you're, I, I picture you call it as the flutter guy. So I don't know what my <laughs> word counts, but that, that's what I picture you. And I want to know. So. Now you are, you're a real live Flutter developer. Do you have a, a typical day in the life of? Yeah, uh, first of all, thank you, man. Thank you. I do appreciate I, I do appreciate that. So uh, I try to be known as the Flutter developer, but I'm, I'm not really sure about that. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. So, okay, uh, to an earlier point, you know, you, just, you mentioned earlier, I actually didn't make the connection that, you know, uh, the market not being hot in 2020, the lockdown and all of that, I, somehow I didn't translate that into tech because I, I believe that the tech was kind of its own sector isolated from the rest of the, you know, from the rest of the economy. So I had that belief, but uh, I didn't really make the connection. Okay. So I'm sorry. What was the question again? Yeah, the day so, in the life? Yeah. What's the, what's the day in the life of Mr. Mr. Flutter? <laughs> 
So uh, nothing actually. This is my spare bedroom. I woke up this morning, did my morning routine, sat here talking with you right now, and I'll, I'll get to work soon. And that is about it. There's no really, I don't have a fancy 5 a.m. morning routine. Uh, it, it's just, you know, just uh, I make sure that uh, I work in the morning before before the family gets up. And then, you know, see if I see if I can do some something else on the side. If I got time, if not, I'll just go spend time with the family. Yeah. There isn't really much. Uh, there isn't really much else to it. Yeah, no, I love that. And so before we get into the uh, what I like to call the, the hot seat questions, I'll ask you. So are you fully remote in your job? Yes. yes. Nice. And so the it sounds like the work hours might be flexible. I know LinkedIn, I'm so appreciative. They also have the flexible hours where basically as long as you're getting the work done, they're not, you know, they're not monitoring how many hours in a row that you're sitting in front of your computer. So do you have a little bit of flexibility in that regard as well? Yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, I do have a flexible hours, you know, as you as you mentioned, uh, as long as as long as I get the job done, you know, uh, in a reasonable time, they don't really care about anything else. And uh, right now I'm working remote and some people some people take this for granted. But again, this takes me back to my trucking lifestyle. I went from being on the road, you know, in negative 20, so, uh, in Minneapolis. It is. It gets. It gets negative. Negative twenty-five degrees in the winter time. It gets. You know. Yeah. We get feet of snow. So it. It is crazy. But this whole for the last few years. Uh, for the last few years, actually, I was working from home. I haven't had to deal with any of that. You know. So it is something that I. I will never take for granted. Working from home is an absolute. It is the best thing that came out. You know. It. It, it is amazing. So, it is. It, I will never. I will never take this for granted. Yeah. And for uh, and for, you know, for my job, yes, it is fully remote and uh, I really love it. Yeah, that's amazing, man. And sometimes, you know, I forget how, how lucky I am and how lucky we are to work remote. And I'm glad that I have conversations like this to, I guess, to refocus me, to appreciate the, the situation that we're in. Because like you, you know, I used to be away from home in the extreme weather as well. And I guess it's just humans in general. I guess we get used to what we get used to and in a way it's good because we can adapt to pretty much anything but yeah I, I know with me anyway sometimes we can lose sight of uh the appreciation that we should feel so i i appreciate you for reminding me that i need to appreciate my situation so thank you for that you got it man you got it all right you're up for a few hot seat questions bring it on all right let's do it so I, i'm still going to ask you even though you kind of already punted what does your typical morning routine look like so right now I'm fasting, but in my in my morning routine, I would just wake up, you know, uh, clean up, do my morning routine, and get a black coffee. You know, I make coffee at home, uh, no Starbucks, nothing fancy. I make one at home, get back here. This is my computer. This is my office, my little office, and get to work. That is that's really it. Okay. No, I like it. All right. If money didn't exist, what do you think you would do every day with your time? I think I would teach. I think I would mentor and teach. Flutter or? And, no, no, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be coding related. It can, it can be. It, it can be about. Uh, let's say. Uh, it can be. It can be about anything. To be honest, because I feel like I have that. Uh, growing up, I would actually. I used to help my my siblings. You know, with their uh, with their math, science. You know, uh, school homework. So I think. I think I can. I think that is. That is something I really love doing. Okay, no, I like that. Are there any books or podcasts that have had a really big influence on you? Does YouTube do do you, YouTube videos worth? 
it absolutely should count. I was thinking of that as I asked the question because I remember you mentioning that. But no, absolutely. Are there any channels or any any content creators specifically that, that stand out above the rest? Hmm. There is uh, there is a guy called Dorian Develops. I think okay. I think you might you might know of him. Dorian no, I Develops. But I want to check him out. Yeah, he's amazing. I've, I've been following his journey for uh, ever since. I can't remember. He's, he's he's an amazing guy. He's also a self taught. So he's one of the his channel is one of the you know one of the early early channels that I used to watch, okay. and I do actually to this day. So it is uh, it is amazing, and uh, I think that is. Yeah, when it comes to tech, that is it. But there are lots of other videos from you know from different creators that I watch. But uh, I mean, that's a tough question to answer. Okay. All right. If you could send a single message to your former self to help you during this transition into tech, what do you think it would be? And we can, in terms of like character limit, you could picture like a, a tweet. What, what do you think that message would be? For my, uh, hmm. so for my, uh, so hmm. in 2020, I would tell myself. You can do it. You're going to do it. Just to stick with. Yeah. That is it. That is it. Simple. All right. Is there anything else, Khaled, that you're working on that you want to share? I know I see you pumping out content on Twitter. I'm not that big on Twitter, but whenever I do go on there, you're at the top of my feed and I always enjoy reading your uh, your tweets. Anything else that you're working on? Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so right now, nothing else to be honest with you. As I mentioned earlier, I also make a short form videos, basically, you know, TikTok and Instagram, real YouTube shorts. So, um, I'm trying to basically grow, grow, you know, grow a following on those platforms and also help and tell, you know, show other people that it can be done. Try to give them some of the knowledge that I wish I had received, you know, when I was going through, when I was going through it. Yeah. No, I like it. And please send me the links. I'd be happy to add your, your channels to the show notes so the audience can check you out. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about today that we didn't? No, actually, no. <laughs> but I do have a question for you. Go for it. So, so I, I think both of us, you know, from uh, we both from we both have similar, very similar backgrounds. Can you can you give me a compare, you know, comparison between your current lifestyle and the one you had before, and what you're grateful for? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I guess, in terms of lifestyle, are you talking about any area in specific, or kind of all of the above? All of the above. Yeah, I think so you can, uh, let's say, a day a day to day life. Yeah, day-to-day -day life. Uh, so I'll, I don't know if the answer you're looking for, but I'll, I'll think back to when I when I would wake up at 12 o'clock noon on a tugboat where that was my, I guess that was supposed to be like my 8 a.m. or whatever. And I'm just thinking back where, you know, you wake up, you grab breakfast, and then you're on watch where I'd be, depending on what we're doing, I usually go up to the uh, the wheelhouse, get a radio, put my safety vest on and everything, see where we are, potentially have to go out and either climb up on a barge and help them tie up to the dredge that we're working with, or you know, from painting to chipping to removing rust from the boat. So that was before. And you know, to be honest, I never really had to work in the frigid weather. I was lucky to work down in Miami even during the winter. So the elements weren't usually at play aside from the, uh, the rainstorms, which would come out of nowhere down there. But, you know, that was fun in its own way. But when I contrast that to, well, before I f let me finish that, you know, at that point, I didn't have a wife, may have had a girlfriend, not my current wife at the time. And kind of like you, I was more of a free spirit confined to a boat. So it's not like I could go out and explore the town. I, I guess I could look down at the water and, uh, you know, the, the sunrise and the uh, sunsets were absolutely beautiful, especially down there in Miami. So that was then. And, you know, today I get to, to wake up and 
wake up at 5 a.m., but that's my choice. That's not the uh, the boss's choice, which is part of the fun, I guess. And I generally try to you know get a workout in, definitely get the coffee, and then I get to go wake up our daughter at 7 if she hasn't already woken me up well before 7, and I get to spend a little bit of time with her before I uh, embark on the 15-second commute to the home office, which I'm sitting in now, <laughs> which you, you can't beat the traffic there. And uh, yeah, man, I'm just extremely fortunate and enjoying life. So I enjoyed before and I enjoy now and I definitely wouldn't change anything about before because I feel like it definitely gives me that perspective as well. So I don't know if that's what you were looking for when you uh, asked me that, but that's what came to mind. Exactly. That is exactly what I was looking for. So I was trying to see the, you know, uh, the contrast between the two lifestyles. So yeah. it, it, is, it is amazing, man. It is amazing. No, I like it. I, li I like that you, you turn the tables there on me. So, uh, man, I, I appreciate you, Call it. I appreciate everything you've done, the content you create, and I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Uh, I'd love to have you back on in the future and we can see how it's played out. All right. Awesome, man. Awesome. Thanks a lot for having me. And it was, uh, it was a pleasure chatting with you. Pleasure was mine. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's show, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on Apple or Spotify. It's a free way you can support the show and help other people just like you find the story and others like it. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to follow the show on whatever podcast application you use. And most importantly, if you know someone that might be interested in breaking into tech, tell them about the show.